1: Jesus says that no man comes to the Father except through good intentions. Amen? No, that's not what he says. I just want to make sure you're listening. No man comes to the Father except through me, through him, through Jesus Christ. So you see, that's the easy response to that when people say, well, everybody is actually going to go. The easy response, a, almost a non-confrontational response is, Well, that's interesting, but, you know, my Bible says that Jesus said that no
0: one can go to the Father except through Him. The way to God is paved with good intentions, right? Absolutely not. The Bible clearly states that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In today's program with Pastor David, we'll be encouraged by the simplicity of the gospel. Yet while many will be saved more will choose to reject such a simple message of reconciliation. The way to God is narrow, and it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we must be saved. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, The Foolish and Weak Plan of God.
1: We're in 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 1. The title of the whole series is A Modern Church in Ancient Times. And the reason I've titled it that is because the issues that Corinth was dealing with, they're the same things we deal with. It's the same problems no matter what era we're living in, what century we're living in, because we're all human. And uh, again, as as Solomon told us, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, It may be dressed a little bit different. The technology may be different, but we're still dealing with human issues. Um, We touched lightly on Paul's ministry in Athens before he came to Corinth and how he had debated with the philosophers there in Athens up on Mars Hill. And, And I shared with you that Paul's philosophical debate with those guys, it really didn't bring a whole lot of fruit. Uh, and so now he comes to the Corinthians, and as we've read in these earlier passages, he comes not with the wisdom of words, but with the simplicity of the message of the cross. And that's what Paul is bringing home here to this Corinthian church. Uh, I want us to pick up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 17. And this whole discourse, again, is is partly a response to actual events that, that had taken place prior to Paul's arrival there in Corinth. And and secondly, also because uh, the Corinthians need to know uh, where to focus their faith, whether it be on the wisdom of man or the power of God and, and the strength of the message of the cross. So we're looking at verse 17 there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul says, "'For Christ did not send me to baptize.'" But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, we'll go back to the completeness of that verse here in a moment, but uh, first of all, I want to cover a little bit more of the background. Uh, again, as I shared prior to Paul coming to Corinth, he had been there in Athens. Prior to that, he had been in Berea, he had been in Thessalonica, he had also been in Philippi and all of those. Each one of those had responded to the gospel message as Paul preached it. A different city, uh, some of them a, a little bit different culture, but For Paul, it was pretty much the same message at each of those previous places. Again, Berea, Thessalonica, and and Philippi. And as we take a look at that, you can keep your place here in Corinthians, and you can go to the left a couple of blocks to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a few things here in Acts. In Acts chapter 16, during Paul's second missionary journey, If you remember in reading the book of Acts, there was a desire in his heart to go and preach the gospel in the area of Asia. But church, what happened with that? The Holy Spirit hindered him. He kept him from going. Now, Paul had a desire to to bring the word of God to Asia, a good thing, a a positive thing, something that was real and, and, and a thing that you think, man, that's the right thing to do. But the Holy Spirit hindered him. We read a little bit later that he also wanted to go to Bithynia, and yet once again, the Holy Spirit prevented him. And so now in Acts chapter 16, down in verse 6, We read this, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, the us and the we there is Luke, the writer of Acts, and he is now joined with Paul in his missionary journey, and that's why we see uh, that writing there. It was from there that they actually traveled over to Philippi, and since there wasn't a synagogue in the city of Philippi, on the Sabbath day, they went out of the city, down by the riverside, where, uh, again, prayer was being made on a continual basis, and they sat down, and they began sharing the truth of the Scripture, the truth of the Word of God with some of the women that are there. A great work of God was then done in that area, in the life of this woman named Lydia, and then all... All of her family, and he continued preaching the gospel, he continued sharing the hope and the truth of the message of the cross there in that area until some turmoil came, some persecution came. Uh, he got thrown in jail, and if you remember, uh, in that whole event, the Philippian jailer came to Christ, and his whole family came to Christ. Now, there, there was this, all of this stuff, this persecution, these beatings, this imprisonment, but you know what? A powerful church was birthed out of that. We look at the book of Philippians. It's about Philippi. Uh, we look at the writings to the seven churches in Revelation. One of those is to the church of Philadelphia, not Philippi. Different church, okay? But we understand, again, that the power of the church that Paul helped see birthed there was great, and they always had a special place in Paul's art and life. Now, then in chapter 17 of the book of Acts, We read where they passed from Philippi to Thessalonica. It was there in Thessalonica where, where Paul continues his, pretty much his, his normal course of action. He went into the synagogue and began reasoning on the Sabbath day. And what did he reason? Did he pull out the book of Romans and share Christ with them from the book of Romans? No, he didn't write it yet. Uh, and so what he was doing is he was sharing from the Old Testament Scriptures, from the Old Testament Scriptures showing them Christ, showing them the hope of the Messiah. In Acts chapter 17, we read these words in in verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and catch this, and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. All of those joined Paul and Silas. Now, again, understanding what we're reading there, again, another good church was birthed at that point in time. Paul's writings, First and Second Thessalonians, to that church in Thessalonica. Again, a good church, solid church, was born there. Why? Because he reasoned with them in the synagogues and using the scripture, declaring Christ, declaring him crucified and risen from the dead. Now again, persecution came, a riot came, but yet still a powerful church was born in the midst of it. And from there, Paul and Silas were sent off to Berea by night because of the persecution, because of the threats against his life. In Berea, we, we see a little bit of a different response to the gospel and the preaching of the cross. Uh, again, they went into the synagogue, they began opening the word of God with the Jews and with the devout Greeks that were there. These were uh, proselytes that had come out of the Greek culture into Judaism, were learning the, the Jewish scriptures, and Paul's in there ministering to them. Down in verse 10 of chapter 7, we read this, that when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these, the Bereans, They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. I know some versions, they, they were more noble than the ones of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and then they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So in other words, Paul would come and he would share with him during the synagogue and he would open up the scriptures to them, sharing with them uh, from a variety of Old Testament passages about the coming of Messiah, and the fact that he would have to suffer and that he would have to die, but that he would rise again. And so these Bereans, as it says, more fair-minded, more noble-minded, or more, I, I think they just probably thought a little bit more than the Thessalonians. They would go home, and they would study the scriptures. Oh, that sounded pretty good while we were at church, but I'm going to go home and study. I, I don't know if you ever do that, but I hope you do. I, I hope that sometimes, somewhere, either myself or some other pastor will say something to you that you think, wow, I, I didn't realize that. And then you go home and you open the word and you study it yourself. You know what? Because that, that's when it really connects with you. That's when it really becomes yours. Well, for these, they, they went and they studied, and it says that many of them believed, uh, and, and also a few of the Greeks in verse 12, it says, and prominent women as well as men. So again, an, another church was born. Again, they, they came to a saving knowledge of the truth of Christ the Messiah because of the preaching of the cross. Yet once again, persecution came. And so we we read in verse 13, the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea. One of the worst things you could do is preach the word of God. Uh, Persecution's going to come on you. So they came there also, and they stirred up the crowds. Verse 14 says, then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, uh, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So they're from Berea. He now goes down to Athens by himself. Uh, Silas and Timothy, still back in Berea. And so the ones that helped bring Paul to Athens, Paul says, hey man, go get Timothy and Silas tell them to come as quickly as they can. So in essence, Paul is left there in Athens. He enters this great city of Athens, uh, home of so many pagan worship centers filled with all of these pagan idols, all of this secular philosophy that was going on, so much so that down in verse 16, it tells us that he saw that the city was given over to idols city was given over to idols. What a desperate situation. What a horrendous situation that was. But that was the truth of that culture. And yet, in the midst of all of that, he was still able to find a Jewish synagogue. A Jewish synagogue in the midst of all this uh, paganism. And so, once again, as his custom was, verse 17 tells us that he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Now, it was here in the marketplace that another interested audience began to take notice of, of what Paul was saying. Verse 18 says that the uh, certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? And others says, well, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods uh, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, "And, and so they took him and brought him up to the Oropagus and saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. And it's kind of funny. Then then Luke, the writer of Athens, he gives us a little footnote in verse 21. He says, for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And that's, you know, uh, apparently they were well-to-do, they didn't have to work, and so they just went up and they debated with each other. And somebody comes in with a new philosophy, a new God, hey, come on up, join the party, just share with us. You know, all roads lead to heaven anyway, right? Uh, how many of you ever sh- tried to share your faith with somebody and says, well, that's fine, but, you know, I have my faith. And after all, we we all worship the same God. We all are going the same place. Uh, you know, that that is that is the... The sad misgiving of so many people that as long as I'm devout in what I'm doing, that that God sees my devoutness and my, my sincerity, and so God will bless me and bring me into his kingdom. No, you can be devoutly and sincerely wrong and end up in hell for all of eternity. There is one way and one way only. Jesus says that no man comes to the Father except through good intentions. Amen? No, that's not what he says. I just want to make sure you're listening. <laughs> no man comes to the Father except through me, through him, through Jesus Christ. So you see, that's the easy response to that when people say, well, everybody is actually going to go. The easy response, a, almost a non-confrontational response is, well, that's interesting, but you know, my Bible says that Jesus said, That no one can go to the Father except through him. Well, yeah, but I don't believe what that says. And remember what you do, and then you open to another passage in the Bible, and you give them more Bible. You just keep giving them Bible because it's the Bible that's the powerful thing. Now, the reason I bring it to that point is because of what happens with Paul's situation here. You see, there's these two schools of ancient philosophy that were now interested in what this new word that Paul was speaking, what that was all about, the Epicureans and the Stoics. Now, the Epicureans, they they were materialists, they and they were atheists, by the way. Uh, by and large, their their goal in life was simply to seek out pleasure, that again, would you, you just want to... Take things easy and and enjoy life. Uh, for some, uh, it was it, it was definitely the pleasures that were afforded of the flesh. Just, you know, whatever makes my flesh feel good and this whole pagan society and all of these pagan worship centers, man, that makes my flesh feel really good. And they figure that's all I'm going after. Uh, For other Epicureans, pleasure meant more of having a life that was filled with um, serenity, free from any pain, free from any stress. Uh, Years ago, we heard of the New Age seeking nirvana. You know, nirvana, uh, the meaning of nirvana is nothingness. You know, it's kind of like, Okay, I'm seeking nothingness, and that's what you're going to end up with, too. But in essence, the Epicureans, they just wanted to chill, Uh, you know, with with the overall idea of of chilling and having physical pleasure at the same time. That was the Epicureans, okay? Now, on the other hand, the Stoics, they, they... pretty well tried to avoid this worldly or this fleshly kind of emphasis. Uh, They kind of avoided a lot of what was going on in, in many of the pagan temples that were going on. They focused on the belief that there is a God, and as a matter of fact, God is everywhere, and God is in everything, and everything is God, and you know, God is in the chair, God is in the tree, God is in the plant, God is in the cockroach, God is just everywhere, and that was their kind of understanding. They, they, they directed towards a kind of a personal discipline, this self-control. And again, it wasn't that they were against pleasure. It's just that that's not what they strive for. The Epicureans, they strive for pleasure. The Stoics, they tried for discipline and, again, just uh, that idea of, of keeping everything under control. And again, uh, they didn't consider pain something to be avoided at all costs. Uh, one has said that life was to follow one's reason and to be self-sufficient, unmoved by inner feelings or outward circumstances. Of course, such a philosophy only fanned the flames of pride and then taught men that they didn't need the help of God. Why? Because I can get self-discipline and I can keep things pretty well contained on my own. To put it another way, the Epicureans enjoyed life The Stoics endured life, okay? And so here we are in Athens, and Paul begins to debate the philosophers. But we see from the context of what Paul is saying and what he's doing, much of what he's debating them by is with reason and with logic. Now, there's nothing wrong with reason and logic, but I want you to follow this thought with me as we look at this. You need to understand, number one, the Epicureans and the Stoics, they weren't familiar with Jewish Scripture. So I understand that you, know, you could not debate the Scripture with them because they had no knowledge of it. But anyway, in verse 22, it tells us, Paul stood, and I'm just going to read through a whole section here, Paul stood in the midst of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you are very religious. So, yes, we are. Pat on the back. We're very religious. That makes us good. Because as long as you're religious, you're good, right? Wrong answer. He says in verse 23, he says, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, why, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Well, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Verse 29, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devisings. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Now, this is where he starts to move in to speak about Christ. But listen what happens. Verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from them. However, some men joined him and believed among them Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them i don't know if you caught that or not but at the end of his preaching time there in athens there wasn't a huge drive to the altar there wasn't a lot of people coming to faith of a few he gave the name of one guy by the name of Dionysius the Areopagite and oh yeah there was a woman named Damaris and Well, yeah, a few others. It's interesting when when I look at this, and we'll get into it a little bit more. These other churches, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, many people, many prominent women, a multitude came and followed. Here, just a handful. It was then, after these things, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. You see, he didn't stay there very long. I don't think a church was really birthed in Athens, but once he arrived in Corinth, he went back to what he had done before. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuading both Jews and Greeks. Even in Corinth, there was still a great amount of persecution, but that comes when you're speaking the fullness of the truth, and man just does not want to hear the truth.
0: As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life, and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an
1: archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at... TheOpenWord.com Simply click on the Teachings link at the top of the page You can also take The Open Word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts This can be done through our website or by searching The Open Word on iTunes By subscribing you'll have sound biblical based teachings with you anytime and anywhere
0: Thanks Pastor David While you're at TheOpenWord.com be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.